Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. Our mission is to make analytics practical. This is not about abstract theory, but to share true stories of how using analytics helps real-life businesses with real-life constraints make the best possible decisions to compete, grow, and thrive. I'm your host, A.G. Tan. I don't know about you, but I know a lot more about supply chains today than I did two years ago before the COVID-19 pandemic. Supply chain stories have been all over the news, ranging from dramatic stories of container ships getting stuck in the Suez Canal, to more mundane stories about trucking companies not being able to hire enough drivers to get goods to where they need to go. Living as we do in a consumer society, we don't realize how spoiled we are. Perhaps there is a silver lining in all these stories. Perhaps we can pause a moment to be grateful to all the people who work hard at big and small companies to get the, say, size nine sneakers in cherry red from the warehouse to my front door on time and at a price I can afford. It's no small feat, pun intended. Now, before those sneakers or whatever can even be made, Planning needs to be done. Someone needs to anticipate that I will want those sneakers before I even know that I want them. And then they need to figure out how to make them. Now, how this happens is what we are going to talk about with today's guest. I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Bruna Garcia. Bruna is a solution architect and master consultant here at Qubit who came back to Qubit after spending a few years implementing advanced analytics applications at a global heavy equipment manufacturer. But we are so happy to get her back. Welcome, Bruna. Thank you, AG. I'm very excited to be back and excited to be joining you today. So Bruna, um, here's my first question. So at a high level, how would you define demand planning versus supply planning and the relationship between them? Very good question, AG. And while they're closely related, they are quite different. Demand planning is the process of developing a sales forecast. So here the objective is to predict your customer's demand for a product or service. And I'll give you an example. If I'm a bicycle manufacturer and reseller, my demand plan is predicting how many bicycles I will sell. Typically, your demand plan will be across a 12-month planning horizon, and the demand plan should produce an unconstrained demand forecast. And what that means is, what is the maximum potential demand without limitations on cash flow and capacity? What is my truest form of my customer demand? And another thing to keep in mind is that as you're developing a sales forecast, you could predict your demand at different levels. So back to the bicycle manufacturer example, I can predict my demand forecast by bicycle type or brand, or I can predict that at an individual SKU or specific make of a bicycle. So at a high level, that is uh, what demand planning is. And then supply planning is really a consumer of the demand plan. And the objective here is to balance your supply and demand to meet that forecasted demand. The output of the supply plan actually produces the constrained demand. 
So once I've fed my unconstrained demand forecast, what do I expect my customers um, to be asking of me? Then I'm taking under consideration my constraints like capacity and supply. And when I align my supply and my demand alongside with my budget, um, that then thereby produces a constrained sales demand, a production and inventory plan. And it's important to distinguish that we're not slotting machines to be manufactured. Uh, we're not building out an inventory replenishment tool when you talk about supply planning, but you're balancing the rates of sales and production and managing your backlog and finished goods inventory positions. So I, I, I think I've got that, but if you don't mind, I'd like to just repeat it back to you using an example that's, I think, um, very real for a lot of people right now, you know, because the holidays are coming, right? And, and for some people that involves buying holiday gifts. And if you have a kid, you know, it, it might be about, you know, getting your hands on the holiday gift that your kid definitely wants, which may be the same as the holiday gift you know, all kids want. And, and so the manufacturer of that toy, let's pretend it's a toy, the manufacturer of that toy, you know, may have an idea of the demand. Maybe they, you know, maybe they didn't realize what the demand was going to be. Maybe they didn't realize that it was going to be the hot thing this year, but perhaps they hoped. And, um, and perhaps, you know, they, they, they um, tried to plan for that. But because of all the supply chain issues that we're hearing about in the news, perhaps they haven't been able to make enough of that toy um, to satisfy all the demand. And so am I correct in thinking of that as being an example of the struggle of balancing unconstrained demand with the constraints on the supply side? That, but just because you know you could sell you know, a thousand of these things, it doesn't mean that you'll actually be able to physically make a thousand to sell. And then from the consumer point of view, it's kind of like, I don't understand why I can't get this thing. Why didn't they make more of it? Is, is that a, a real example of this? Yeah, that's a perfect example. You might not be able to manufacture it in time, or you might just not have it at the right place at the right time. You could have um, an excess surplus of that toy in one location, but where you have the higher demand, you don't have that. So that's where um, the location comes into play, but that's a really good example. Thank you. Are there some companies or industries that have to manage more complexity around demand and supply planning um, than others? And, and maybe you have some examples of those? All right, so when it comes to different complexity of demand and supply planning, based on my experience, I would say that around demand planning, you will see greater risks and challenges when it comes to industries with shorter product life cycles. So if you think about retail, clothing has different trends that it goes through. And so having an accurate prediction of how your product will sell, what the forecast will be, becomes much more critical in the planning process. Because it's all about that trend, there's a higher pressure and risk when it comes to stockouts or overstocks. And that also translates to the tech industry. When it comes to supply planning, we'll give an example of the automotive industry. It's much easier to source parts because your suppliers are less variable as compared to retail and you have a consistent supply that's coming through, but the complexity comes into play in execution. 
Because in retail, if you have you know, 10 units, that's okay. But to manufacture a vehicle, you need the specific inventory in sequence to match perfectly. And that's very critical when it comes to manufacturing a vehicle. If you don't have that part on hand, you're in trouble. So this then translates to defense. And defense also has a lot of logistics to coordinate because they're very highly engineered products and they must work 100% of the time in extreme environments and there's longer lead times and there's a much greater risk around part shortages because of the complexity of the equipment. One other example that came to mind is the food industry uh, because of the risk of spoilage and contamination and quality. So there's a lot more variables that need to be taken under consideration in supply planning and that then attributes to the complexity that you'll see. Wow, those are great examples. And I, I have to say, it kind of blows my mind that I'm actually able to go to the store and buy anything, given what you've described. So they've got to be armies of people um, working together and collaborating to make all this work. And I imagine, you know, in our, you know, technology infused world, that technology plays a big part in this working, right? I, I assume this is just not possible without using technology in some shape or form. You're absolutely right, AG, and it requires a lot of um, moving parts. There's a lot of the cross-functional teams and ensuring that you have collaboration across those teams and platforms to be able to collaborate on becomes really critical. And that's where you'll see a lot of challenges when people are working in very siloed type of departments. If they don't have that collaboration, that's when um, risk starts to creep in. And so ensuring that you have a full end-to-end -end visibility of the process um, is really important. Now, based on your experiences in your professional life, and, and I know you read a lot and, and so on, and also based on what you've seen at customers, where do you see companies struggling most with all of this? And, and do you have any guidance or advice for a company that maybe knows there's room for improvement, but they aren't sure how to get started? Yes, absolutely. One of the major struggles that we see at customers is that um, companies have a lot of data on hand, but there is this tendency to rely on tribal knowledge. What do I mean by that? You have your sales team and your marketing team and they, you, they know their customers and that insight is extremely valuable. However, that should not be the only source of information that's being leveraged to produce a demand plan. There is great opportunity to leverage the data that companies collect to build statistical forecasts and then apply the 80-20 principles. And here, the 80-20 principle would be leverage the statistical forecast to produce a forecast for all of your products and allow it to forecast 80% of your products where the demand is predictable. And then those key players in the business that know insights that aren't being fed to the statistical model, then they can provide their inputs and really focus on those problem areas where it's harder to predict. So my advice in this area is to capitalize on the machine learning that is available today, that we've come a very long way and there's a lot of different types of models that can be built. 
um, depending on the industry to help to predict your forecast and then capitalize on your resources where they are needed the most. And this then also um, one other struggle that I see at organizations is the actual act of consensus forecasting. And what that means is typically you'll see the demand plan originating from a department, whether it's sales or finance or marketing. And the tendency there is to have a bias. Uh, the recommendation that by industry standard is to have a separate demand planning organization. And then you collect inputs and truly build a cross-functional forecast. And you're not just layering different inputs, you're actually collaborating together to produce this forecast. And that's where you're gonna get the most value. And so that directly ties into the technological component is that if you have a platform where you can get inputs from all these different departments, then you eliminate the silos in the organizations and then you have a better chance of eliminating biases that come into play when forecasting your demand. Thank you, Bruna. I feel like you, you said sort of two sort of different important things there. Um, and let me see if I can sort of distill them and then they, they work together. They're not competing with each other. But the first thing I think I heard you say was that even though obviously all the companies that have supply chains and have to manage demand and supply um, and keep them in balance, that all those companies absolutely are already using technology, but that there are other areas, additional areas where they haven't perhaps fully realized the potential and you use you know, machine learning and predictive um, forecasting as, as your example, right? Um, and the notion, if I get it right, is that it's not that you're going to just automate everything and get rid of all your demand planners. What you're saying is that you can use a computer to come up with a good enough statistical forecast to use as a starting point, which eliminates a lot of time working on all the easy parts of the forecast, you know, and then you can have the humans working on the more complex bit. So that was, I think, the first thing that I heard. And before I go on to the second, let me just check in on that. That's exactly right, AG. All right, good, good. I'm glad I'm listening. And the second thing I think I heard was that knowing that you have that opportunity to go off and, and use these tools, there's another area where some companies um, could still do better. And that is really around um, the human side of things that, you know, on the one hand, there's opportunity to make things easier by leveraging technology to do all the grunt work. But then on the other hand, um, technology alone doesn't solve the problem. And you also need to think about your organizational structures and your business process and, and perhaps introducing um, a separate team but doing demand planning is one of the things that you suggested so that it becomes a more centralized function and everyone's benefiting from having that centralized, unbiased um, view of, of demand. So did I get that right? Yes, you summarized that perfectly. All right, good, good. Well, then I feel like I learned something today and um, thank you so much for sharing. Of course, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. Do stay in touch. 
You can email us at info at qubit.com or check out past episodes and transcripts at qubit.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, take care.